Well, good morning. So I don't know how many of you are, are, are golfers. Maybe maybe you like to play golf, or maybe you like to just watch it. Has anybody been paying attention to what's been taking place uh, over on the other side of the pond? The, the British Open is going on. Okay, and something pretty spectacular is happening. There's a, a guy over uh, from the U.S. He's playing over there, Brian Harmon. Anybody familiar with him? He's not a real big name in golf. He uh, has an opportunity possibly um, to get his first uh, Masters or, or uh, big championship win, right? He, he is 12 strokes under, okay? Now... In some places, that's not a big deal, but to be on Sunday at the British Open this year, to be 12 strokes down is incredible. In fact, second place is seven strokes down. He has a five-stroke lead going into the last 18 holes. That's pretty incredible. To, to tell you how big of a, a, a jump that is between minus 12 and minus 7, the top 10 players are either negative 7, negative 6, or negative 5. They're all bunched up. He's not even close. He's so far ahead of him. And he just might pull off a huge win if, if he doesn't fall apart. So, in light of that, we're going to have just a little bit of a, a, a fun golf game this morning. It, it's more like putt-putt, okay, and no goofy shorts or anything like that, no crazy hats, we're no, no big drives, but we're just going to do something here this morning, and it, it may or may not relate to the sermon. Who knows? We'll just see. So, Lily, will you come up here? I want to welcome to the tee box Lily Crum. She is a golfer for the uh, Lady Eagles. And I am super proud of her. She's actually been gone all this last week. She was at Op Camp. Ask her about Op Camp. She went to Texas uh, and, and worked with some, some kids who um, don't often go to church and don't have a home life that, uh, that most of us grew up in. And so she's had a, a, a really amazing but tough week. So I have her up here. Uh, she's going to be a part of this. And then I'm also going to have Wyatt, if you would come up here. Um, he doesn't play golf professionally um, or really even as an amateur, but he goes out with us every once in a while. And so you're going to use my putter. Lily, you get your own. We're just going to come up here, and here's what we're going to do. Oh, will you grab that cone? By That's not how you hold a putter. This could end in disaster, folks. I don't know. I didn't prep them about, like, no fighting in front of the church. Two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight. Oh, wow, nine, ten. There is, there's a bit of a slope here. So I don't know how this is going to work. Oh, no, they're, they're holding. They'll be fine. And then, Wyatt, if you want to, we'll go here. And the slope seems to get even worse. So, okay, there you go. So um, you're definitely going to have to read the green, or in this case, the blue, because the carpet. Okay, um, so what we'll do here... I don't want you to have to deal with that, so we'll go to right here. Okay, so the deal is, we're just going to see how many times you can hit the cone. Okay? So y'all both have like, you both have 10 watt, you're struggling, dude. Just, 
just, wow, you probably should just wave the white flag right now. So let's just see. Here we go. Go ahead, Lily. Start off. Y'all both can go. I want to see how this one looks. Okay. Oh, there's pretty good form. Oh, uh, oh, not bad, but you, okay. Yeah, it's still going. Oh. The, you know what the three worst words in golf are? You're still out. Yeah, you're literally further away than you were when you started. Okay, let's go again. Let's see what you got. Go ahead. Lily, let's start. You can keep hitting. We, we're, this is ready golf. Okay, maybe you'll do it better. Maybe you'll read the curve a little better. You're kind of going to, oh, wow. There you go. Come on. I did, didn't I? Hey, that one's still going. Look at that thing. That is just hauling. It picked up speed. Okay, try again. Here, keep going. Okay. I, you know what? Your job is to hit, and why? Just whenever you're ready to. Okay, now I see you're coming up here. Look at that. Oh, that. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Maybe you should give some pointers over here. Okay, here. Oh, this is looking good. That's looking like a little long. For those of you who can't see, just so you know. Oh, oh, here we go. Um, here's shot one, two, there's three, here's four, five is come on, come on, stop. Nope, nothing. I can't do it. Okay, oh, it's looking a little oh, that's a tough one. Man, these these greens are terrible. Oh, no, come on. You got this one. Just not, just, oh, yeah. Oh, that, that was really, really, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, go for it. <laughs> you got this. Okay, keep going. Oh, come on. Be the club. Oh, Okay, last one, last one. Here's what we have. Let's see what you got. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, that was a tough one. Okay, okay, we'll go ahead and stop right here. Okay, so I want to talk about this for just a second. I want to compare who did a better job. Did Lily do a better job or did Wyatt do a better job? Lily did a better What? Okay, but let's talk about this for a second. Okay, I've seen her on the golf course, and I've seen her with that hybrid, and she can just smack the dog out of it. Have you been practicing this summer? Okay, she's been practicing this. Have you been taking lessons this summer? Okay, have you hit this yet? Okay, no. Okay, so shouldn't she be doing a better job than him? I mean, shouldn't we be a little bit more critical of her? I mean, she practices, she tries, she takes lessons, and then she comes here and she misses. I mean, he didn't miss one. But he still didn't miss. You know what? I mean, I think we really should give her a hard time about this. You're saying no. Good job. Okay. The, the angle... The angle worked a whole lot better than I thought it would. Okay, thank you. Y'all both can have a seat. And if y'all happen to come up here, Brett, when you lead singing, don't trip on one of these. Um, 
they're just not going to stay. This is going to, that made it worse. I should have just left. Now, forget about it. Forget it. Okay, so, you know, I probably should put this down. They're all heading down. They are literally, there, there they went. This, this, come on, some, stop, some, there we go. Okay, yeah, the, we're, I'll let you hang on. I'll, Lily can sign it for you, and that's not going to stay. I don't know. It's, they're, it's, they're coming right back. So, okay, so we spent a little bit of time goofing off and, and looking at this, but I, I really do have a, a point with this. And we've been talking about over the last several weeks, really months, about the different vices, the different ways that Satan tries to get to us, right? The, the way that we, we get really upset about things that are far off or we focus in on ourselves. There's so many different ways in, in which Satan tries to get at us, and he does it in, in a really effective way. He does. In fact, in our, our Wednesday night class, we were talking about a, a simple life. And we talked about how lives really aren't that simple. If you just look in your own house, you have about 300,000 items in your house. That's the average number of items that a person has, and there's 300,000 different things that you've collected. And so how are we any different than the rest of society? How are we set apart? How is our, how is our situation with, with lust? How is our situation with divorce? How is our situation with finances? Or, or is the church any different than anybody else? And, and so here's the real deal. The problem is, is that if we're not careful, we'll end up looking like a bunch of hypocrites, right? And so this is what I want to talk about this morning, and we're going to come back to the golf. Hang in there, because I really think we have an application. But before I do that, I just want to ask the question, hypocrisy within the church and among Christians, is it real or is it perceived? Is it earned or are we unfairly judged? One of the most common reasons people reject Christianity is that they have met too many hypocrites and have been turned off from the faith. Others have found Christians to be too judgmental and want no part of such harshness. Maybe you agree with those reasons or maybe you're a follower of Jesus who wants to better reflect God in your life. Uh, in his book, Unchristian, by David Kinnaman, he says that uh, in a survey that was taken, 85% of people questioned between the ages of 16 and 20 said that they believe that Christians are, generally speaking, hypocrites. 85%. If you gather 20 16 to 29 year olds together and you ask them, do you think churchgoers are hypocrites? 17 of those, only three would say, no, I don't think that they're hypocrites. So what exactly is a hypocrite? Merriam-Webster says that a hypocrite is a person who puts on a false appearance of virtue or religion or acts in, a acts in contradiction to his or own standards or beliefs. So let me ask you this. 
What's the difference between a Christian who messes up and a hypocrite? Is there a difference? If you're a Christian who espouses certain beliefs, who actually carries the name, bears the name of Jesus Christ, who never messed up, and you mess up, doesn't that make you a hypocrite? True? If a Christian messes up, are they then rightfully called a hypocrite? Why not? But they say, this is what I believe. I mean, like I, we can step on toes here. I mean, I think we can talk about some things that are taboo within society. Things, values that we hold dear. Do you, do, how many of you think that we should love our neighbors? We should. How many of you love your neighbors? How many of you, how many of your neighbors know that you love them? Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, this is, this is hard because two nights ago, I don't know where it came from. I don't know how it happened. I don't know if it's always been there and, I, and we didn't notice it. But Friday night, there was a dog within, I would say, a hundred feet of, of, our, of our bedroom that started barking sometime around dark. I don't know if there was another dog that had the same bark and they took shifts, or if it was the one dog that barked the entire night. When, when my eyes were bloodshot and I was twitching on Saturday morning and I didn't want to get out of bed and somebody said, do you love your neighbor? My only thought was, I'm going to kill their dog. I can't do this. Right? You've had that? How many of you can say without a doubt that you've always been a great neighbor? How many of you can say that you've never said a hurtful word to somebody else? How many of you can say, I never messed up and had a, an argument with my spouse or said something tacky? Did somebody raise their hand here? This is a church building. I don't know if the roof is lightning proof. I think it could, I don't know. I don't want to say. But you see what I'm getting at? I mean, we have these high values. Go back and read the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said. But I tell you, don't do this. Love your neighbor. Bless those who curse you. Pray for the, how many of you, when somebody steals something from you, if they steal your coat, you say, hey, here, let me, let me give you access to the rest of my wardrobe. That's what we talk about. That's what we read about. And so aren't we a little hypocritical when we leave church on Sunday talking about loving other people and we're mean to the waitress? Or 
somebody cuts us off in traffic and we start blaring the horn? Or you're standing in line at Walmart in the, the express line that says no more than 12 items and clearly the person in front of you has more than 12 and you're, <clears throat> you might even count out loud, 13, 14, 15. Have you ever done that before? Doesn't that make us hypocrites? So let's go back to this golf game for just a second, right? Let's go back to the putt-putt for a minute. And, and thank you for defending Lily. Lily is, is a great golfer, and this is, this is the impossible hole, right? You're, in, you're just not going to get it to stop there. Even if it hit, it's going to roll away, right? And so that might have been intentional. I might have been a little deceitful in the placement of that hole. But my point was this, and, and I'm going to defend this just a little bit, right? And I told Wyatt beforehand, don't take a putt. Your goal is not to hit. Your goal is to make fun of her. Your goal is to criticize her. Because in some ways, that's a little bit about how we're getting treated by the rest of the world. The rest of the world says, I can speed, I can lie, I can steal, I can commit adultery. Listen, we call that entertainment. That's what you, the, the shows that we're watching on TV, right? They glorify and glamorize immoral relationships. That's what it's all about. And I'm not just talking about days of our lives or one life to live. I'm talking about just anything we watch just glamorizes that. But what happens if a Christian slips up? A non-Christian can say anything that they want. Any, they can put a string of vulgarities to come out of their mouth and they're like, no big deal. If one of us says a bad word, guess what? Oh, you're, we can go months without saying a bad word. And we make one little mistake, we slip and we mess up, and all of a sudden they're like, ooh, you're a terrible person. You're a hypocrite. What's the difference? We're trying. We set a standard, a goal in which we want to live by, and we mess up. And when we mess up, they say, well, you're a terrible person because you messed up, because you act like you're better than everybody else. I'm just trying to be better. But guess what? We're not always better. So think about this for a second. I want you guys to be the judge. Who's a hypocrite, okay? Is a police officer who's, who's seen speeding without their lights on. They're flying down the road faster than they should. Are they a hypocrite? How about this? How about a doctor who smokes a cigarette? Are they a hypocrite? I mean, you think they would tell other people not to do it. It's bad for your lungs and cause cancer. How about a mom who doesn't eat her veggies? Is she now a hypocrite? Because you know she tells her kids to. How about a dad who doesn't keep his promise? You ever had one of those situations? I've been a dad where I've told my children I would do something and then a circumstance came up and what I said I was going to do, I couldn't do or didn't do. A math teacher who uses a calculator. Is she a hypocrite? A principal that shows up late for school. 
a dietitian who eats a donut, a vegetarian who eats a burger, a judge who is caught lying, a referee who gambles, an environmentalist who has their own private jet. How's that for their carbon footprint? How about a dental hygienist with a cavity? Are they hypocrites? How about a preacher who watches a rated R movie? How about a Christian who uses a bad word? How about a student at a Christian university who goes to a party? Not, not the Bible kind of party. What about a church leader who commits adultery? A youth minister who is shown on social media with an alcoholic beverage? How about a deacon who gets divorced? A pastor who is a millionaire? How about a rabbi who doesn't observe the Sabbath? What does it mean to be a hypocrite? Is it right that it's levied on us? And how does it affect the way that we choose to live our lives? When I was speaking with a group of kids at camp, we talked about why is it so hard to share your faith with other people? And this is one of the first ones that they mentioned. They said, because if I, if I try to encourage people how to live a moral life, all they have to do is point out one of a dozen times in which I failed. And it doesn't matter. I don't get credit for trying. It doesn't matter the 50, 100, 200 times that I don't mess up. All they have to say is, well, I saw you do this the other day. And I know you did this. You lied. You cheated. What do we do? You can have such a slighted, jaded, cynical view of life that anyone who is caught trying to do anything at some point will be a hypocrite. Basically, anyone who commits to something good and fails can be called a hypocrite. So what does the Bible say about it? What does Jesus say? I mean, this is, this is the guy who grace just flows from him. Listen to what he says about hypocrisy. Matthew chapter 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Do you hear what he just called them? He says basically you have dead, rotting flesh inside you. you. You make yourself look good on the outside, but on the inside you are filthy and disgusting and grotesque. We all know what Jesus says to the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. He says, I wish you were either hot nor cold. But because you're neither hot nor cold, because, of you, because you're lukewarm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spew you out of my mouth. Basically, he says, you know what? Like, pick a side. I would rather you not try, right? 
Is that what it seems to say? I wish you were either cold. Either be on fire for the Lord or walk away. Don't sit around and pretend to be a Christian and cheat on your taxes and cheat on your wife and be mean and terrible and hateful to all the people that you think you're better than. He says that's not working out. We don't have time, but I I know that most of you read this, Matthew 6. uh, That was a couple days ago for those of you who are reading a chapter a day to get through the Gospels. If you haven't, you're a bunch of hypocrites. Woe to you. But he talks about how when you pray, go in and close the door. When you give, do so in secrecy. He says, this is not about a show. So where do we really stand on this? What do we really do? Well, I just want to share two more quick examples. Anybody remember the names of Ananias and Sapphira? This is after the cross, after the resurrection. They're in the church. They do something really generous. They sell off a piece of their land and they go to to church to give the money. I mean, that's pretty impressive. How many of you have sold property and said, I'm giving giving proceeds to the the church? What was was the difference? Well, they they told a little lie. They, They gave some of the money. We we don't know what percentage. I mean. 50%? Oh, I don't know. Maybe they gave 90%. Maybe they said, we're going to hold off 10% ourselves. We sold this large property, but we, you know, we need a new cart. And so we're going to, we're going to hold a little bit back. We don't know exactly how much they held back. All we know is they said, we sold a property and here's the, the proceeds. We want you to have it. And guess what happens? Ananias walks in. And God strikes him dead. They, they take his body, they, they track it out, and a few hours later, Sapphira comes in, not knowing what's happened to her husband, and they said, hey, tell us about this money that you gave. And she continued on in that lie. And God struck her dead. You think God likes hypocrisy? Do you think Satan uses that word and that idea to prevent us from trying to do good? I mean, in some ways, doesn't it seem like we should just give up on trying to be good? Because you're never going to be perfect. So if you don't try, one, it makes for an easier life. Two, you're not really a failure because if you plan to fail and you succeed, then that's a whole lot better than planning to succeed and failing, right? And then you don't have to have anybody look at you and say, look, I saw you try to make that putt and you missed it. How many of you are going to remember the fact that Lily missed the putt rather than White, who never even tried? He didn't stand before you and try. And so maybe it's just easier not to do anything at all. So what's What do we get from all of this? Well, here's a few takeaways that I have. First off, I just want you to know this, in case you've forgotten. No one is perfect. 
except for Jesus. And look how he was treated. He was perfect, and he was sinless, and he was judged and called a hypocrite, and they laughed at him, they beat him, they spat on him. They drove nails through his hands and his feet, and they hung him up, and they made fun of him. And so if you can pretend for a second that you are perfect or even nearly perfect, still will be people who are going to criticize you for your faith. Secondly, the church is made up of sinful people who hurt others. There's no denying that and there's no justifying that. I'm not here to say, pat yourself on the back because, you know, you're, you're pretty good. I'm here to say, that as a Christian, we all must admit that we fail. Number three, people will hate you no matter what. Some of them are right in their disdain of the religious establishment. There are people whose lives have been torn apart. I have a good friend of mine that I've, I've known for a while that he really struggles showing up to church. He was engaged to a young lady and walked in on her with the, his um, uh, college minister together. What does he have to say about church people being good and trying hard? You think that would be a, a difficult to get him back into a church? How many of you have read the bumper sticker, Lord, save me from your followers? Sometimes it seems just a little like that. Listen to this. Being a Christian isn't about pretending to be good. It's about admitting that you're bad. Jesus says he didn't come to, for people who have everything sorted out. He came for people that are messed up. This is not a collection of saints. This is a place for sinners. This is a hospital where people come. Some of you are in triage. Some of you are, need to go on the operating table. Some of you are dealing with coughs. Others of you have diseases. We're all in here because we're a broken people and we know that the only answer is Jesus. And if you're here because you think you're a good person and you think God might owe you something, then you've completely missed out on what Christianity is. The two key factors to Christianity include that the world is broken and that God is in the process of restoring the world and that includes each one of us. And so should we stop trying? Absolutely not. Will the world call us hypocrites regardless of what we say and do? Absolutely. Jesus said... The world will hate you. But remember, it hated me first.
don't be afraid to give your all in every situation. And when we show up here, it's not to pretend that we're better than anybody else. It's okay to walk in here and say, man, I just need to be here because I am broken. And you may make it for three or four weeks, five weeks, I don't know. Maybe you can make it several months. But when you fall, that doesn't make you a hypocrite. That makes you a person. And what we want to do with you, and we want you to do with us, is to help pick each other up and say, you know what, we blew it. We made a mistake. But Jesus is here to help us. And he's going to walk with us as we move on. Don't let Satan call you a hypocrite and tell you to stop living your life for Jesus. Give all that you have for him and keep putting that ball and trusting that Jesus will lead you and help you each step of the way. There's some people in here that you're in the midst of a really bad season in your life. You're angry, you're alone, you're broken, you're depressed. You don't have to pretend in here. You can just come here and be broken together because that's what I am. And what I need more than anything else is a group of people who will say, you know what, I know what it's like to struggle and to fail. You're not alone. We're all broken in here, but we're all following a Savior who continues to restore us. And this morning, I want to encourage you to let go of that shame and follow Jesus with all of your heart. I want to encourage you to do that this morning as we stand and sing.